0: Hey everybody, it's Nolan North, you know, Nathan Drake from Uncharted, and you're listening to the Geek
1: Apocalypse Podcast. Thank you so much, Mr. Nolan North, for introducing yet another edition of the Geek Bartless Podcast with your truly, Mr. Stephen Hesse. and welcome to the ramblings and goings-on of the random conversations that is this podcast, where we get a guest to sit down and undo their... P- no, we don't want to get them... A where am I going? This sounds like I was doing my own edition of Fifty Shades of Grey, and they, they take off their pants. Uh, maybe they do. It's only audio. Uh, maybe not be wearing pants right now. No, I am I really am. Don't worry. Uh, no, no one wants to say that. Um, um, uh, believe me, um, but welcome everyone um, to this very very fun edition of the podcast. I'm super excited to release this one because, as I mentioned, I think at the beginning of the podcast, or at least I did to Tom anyway, maybe before we started, is that um, it's been a while since I've spoken to someone who I haven't actually met in person before, um, because the the story behind Tom Ross, who's today's guest, is that I had a co- I started to ge- generate a conversation with him on LinkedIn because we became friends on that, like connect a connection on there. And um, started to look at his stuff, and he's like, "Oh, I need. I'm thinking of um, guesting on people's podcasts." Um, so I said, "Well, you should come on mine because he." Um, I looked at his profile, and he's got some interesting things about himself. He's just started a podcast, which is twelve episodes in about designers, which he mentions at the end of the podcast. I, I recommend you obviously um, t- check that out. Check that up, check that podcast out um, because it's um, it, you know sounds like a really good idea, and I love the fact that he's frank and honest and open, um, which is definitely how this conversation went. But I'll get to that in a second. So yeah, and he's also, CEO of Design Cuts, um, which is a, a thing he started around about the same time as Geek Apocalypse has been around, and the idea is it's basically all your design needs for Photoshop. I mean, I didn't get paid to say this; I'm just saying this is what it is. And I was really quite impressed with it when I logged on, and I'm not just saying that. Um, anyone who listens to this regularly knows that when I have a guest on, it's because I actually am generally, um, you know, um, impressed by what they do or admire what they do or whatever. And in this example, um, it's because I have absolutely no talent in Photoshop whatsoever. Um, you know, I was drawing today at the university that I, that I help out in and I just was like, uh, what's a pen? Um, you know, is that a thing that people use on the computer? Because obviously people don't use uh, pens and pads, uh, you know, like, what's watercolors? Is that a font that you use on <laughs> on Microsoft Word? No, anyway, so um, so yeah, so it's, but anyway, but seriously, the Design Cuts, uh, designcuts.com is the uh, website if you want to have a look. And they do basically loads of graphics, um, illustrations, um, you can get templates for business cards, fly greeting cards logos so basically if an artist has an idea they pay for them to be put it on their website and gain a percentage so again like an iTunes listing for designers and they do fonts as well which I know I talked to Tom about because I was interested in the legal ramifications of using fonts they have add-ons like effects and brushes and um, overlays and all that kind of thing and uh, help with photos um, as well, because obviously, beforehand, had the name Photoshop. Um, so yeah, I really recommend you have a look at that. And if it's, uh, anything that you need, obviously, please do check that out. Um, really fun. We talked about, uh, entrepreneurial stuff, because he runs a media, like, a sort of, a, a much bigger business than the is. But yeah, talked about that in detail. I talked about my idea for a sci-fi book. Please don't steal it. Um, and then we talked about hobbies and being passionate. And I think that comes across talking to Tom. It was a huge fun, really genuine. So I really hope you enjoy it. Do Tom Ross. Okay. Uh, We've been getting friendly over LinkedIn, which Mm -hmm. is kind of nice. And uh, as we were just joking in the pre interview. It's nice to talk to a fellow Brit. So hello, Tom.
0: (laughs) Hi, Stephen. Yeah, it's definitely, definitely nice. Uh, I don't know if you're the same as me. I seem to talk to a lot of Americans. Yeah. Uh, The the internet seems to be full of Americans. (laughs) They are lovely. Um, But yeah, always good to connect with fellow Brits.
1: Yeah, and I I like being upfront with people who listen to this about context and to say that was going to be my opening joke that thank you so much for agreeing to a time that's not four in the morning. (laughs) 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 yeah i hear you on that yeah
0: uh, i was on a podcast at like 10 p.m last night with a girlfriend waiting up patiently for me (laughs) all right
1: cool yeah uh, yeah because sometimes (laughs) if you get people on like the the sort of west coast of america i have to get up like really early in the morning sometimes if they want to do in the morning so it's really nice to do like sort of a reasonable time so thank you for that (laughs) um so i guess um as a nice starting point being that we are fellow brits so people who listen to this know that i'm from sort of the newcastle area northeast of england so where are you from tom where's your base
0: Uh, I'm from south of London, so kind of Surrey area. Okay. Um, Nowhere near as good an accent as you. One of my best mates (laughs) is Geordie, so very jealous of the accent.
1: (laughs) Okay. I always think uh, people people actually say that I'm sort of somewhere in the middle. I'm not really full-on Geordie. Uh, I'm sort of somewhere in between, um, I guess, all the sort of uh doing doing speech stuff has led me to um has led me to to get out of it a little bit but um yeah it is definitely yeah, there
0: you're not um, mega bored a lot of my family yeah. uh kind of my my grandparents generation and above the geordie believe mm-hmm. it or not all right and okay. we've had a few family events um and the really broad ones i don't get a word and they, <laughs> that. they just wind you right up and uh yeah talk it seems. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well actually um I've told the story on this podcast before. But um my, my cousin married um uh married a, a girl down south who lives in um uh Hitchin, which is from that area, so it's not like like just just north of London. Uh, um and uh, yeah, when I went down there for their wedding a few years ago, they just kept wanting me to say things that sounded Geordie like because I would say things, and for some bizarre reason, I think it's because we don't say "and" in Geordie land that we say "n" like "n." So uh, they kept wanting me to say "a and e" because I would say a and e" like all, all together. I think it was so every time I said that. I don't know why we said "a and e" in a conversation. But I said something like that, and they just kept wanting to go. But you would say you say A&E, and I go a and they be like, "See, you said it." <laughs> <laughs> and I Don't just "Dance
0: dance." Yeah, <laughs> I know.
1: Yeah, that's, it started to feel like that towards the end. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I, I I I took it all in good humor. I think, as you say, I, I'd rather have an accent than not. Maybe. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Um. So yeah. So um. Yeah, it's really nice. So it is really nice to talk to a Brit. And um, the thing that we both have comparisons over. We were just talking, discussing this earlier, is about. Um, so essentially running sort of businesses and and um the, the one of the things that i've I've looked into in preparation for this podcast having you on is to, to about the company that I just mentioned you have called design cuts um so I guess the, the starting point that makes sense to talk about is how that you know idea came about and and maybe a little bit about what you were doing before like you know were you at university doing you know doing some designy things or entrepreneurial stuff or was it completely I different wish. yeah i was the same um, yeah.
0: i did the classic thing i did go to university but okay. my parents um were like you definitely need to go and get a proper degree like english or maths and i wasn't very good at maths so i did english and um spent the whole degree barely showing up to lectures Not really reading the books and just Mm -hmm. sort of blagging it as I went along. Yeah. Um, and spent the whole time doing what I do now, which is like online entrepreneurship basically. And that goes way back Mm -hmm. pre uni. So I've been doing this since I was about 12 years old. Okay. And in tandem, I got super passionate about learning design, Mm -hmm. but also, uh, entrepreneurship and marketing. Mm -hmm. So from age 12, started, learning both uh, simultaneously, and an old friend of mine um, learned this stuff with me. He he kind of went more down, like, the coding and development okay. road, yep. road, rather. And yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, from that young age, we just started basically geeking out and, and building website projects together, mm-hmm. and we'd be at school and, you know, be making a little bit of money. There was one site where sales would come in, and my mum was the one at home because we were at school like moderating and approving sales, and then mm-hmm. she would text me on my old school like Nokia 3310. So I'd be in maths class and sort of show my friend the text and be like, "We made another fifty-seven dollars, mate. It's crazy." <laughs> nice. Um, so, so yeah, kind of fairly early origins there.
1: Yeah, it's and because yeah, sorry, go, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that, um, it's, it's quite freaky that, um, you know, you sound like you have a similar road to some people. I was thinking of some other guests I've had on this podcast before and, um, and, and it's, and it's weird because in terms of my own sort of, uh, personal life, we have a very similar, um, background because I re- wish I did like a business degree or something along those lines. And I did English did as well. Mean? I did English, oh, English as well.
0: Okay. English um, bit was that? Yeah, I
1: did English and history. So it was basically okay. a joint degree where I got to choose what I wanted to do. Um. So it, I enjoyed it, and I I I I did the best I could with it, but it was very just sort of um non-specific. I guess maybe um is the way exactly. people look at it. Um, and I'll it was that like, this way. Yeah.
0: Me reading like Chaucer and Paradise Lost. Yes, served me massively.
1: Um, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And I. Interesting. I, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Exactly. And it's the same with history. It's like oh, it's it's very um, you know, I, I read a lot of historical stuff um in my spare time because it's a genuine interest but is it really gonna help me um get a get a, a, a good position in a job if I know like when a particular like um what date a war started or <laughs> like a, you know that kind of I thing. mean you're great
0: at pub quizzes. Yes, right? yeah exactly.
1: I'm the guy I'm the guy who sits there and knows the one question no one else knows but has no common sense <laughs> at all. I'm that guy. I'm the guy who knows random questions no one else knows, but there you go.
0: Whereas um, I literally have the general knowledge of a five year old. <laughs> Honestly, I'm embarrassed. It's one of my biggest weaknesses. And it's a combination of being so immersed in what I love to do the most, which is, you know, design, entrepreneurship, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I'm so blinkered. And I've devoted so much time to that, that I've kind of eschewed a lot of other things. And, and, you know, stopped reading as much and that kind of thing, because I've been so laser focused. Mm -hmm. And combined with that, that I've got the worst memory in the world. Okay, I, i learn a lot of stuff. And I'm quite good at kind of using information that's given to me mm-hmm. but then I instantly forget it. So my okay. entire degree, I've forgotten, couldn't tell you what year Shakespeare was born, I've written essays <laughs> about that, like, just the whole thing's gone straight out of my head.
1: Yeah, I know that's what I was never, I would, I, yeah I used to always struggle in exams, like sort of uh, um do things to memory, whereas the skill that I've sort of developed over time is being able to think on my feet. I'm actually like good at that, but I'm not good at actually, you know, reciting things that I've that I learnt like two or three weeks ago or something. Um, it's
0: it's a better skill, honestly. I'd rather be like you and I because yeah, I don't think it's that far off that google or whoever is going to have like a live feed into your brain where memory becomes almost irrelevant because you can instantly summon any knowledge so i think the aptitude of being able to use that knowledge is a much better skill in general
1: Yeah, um, I, I, you're making me think of like what Stephen Fry once said in an interview because he always gets the thing of you're very intelligent and all that sort of stuff and you've got a fantastic memory because he, I think he does said say he had a photo, photogenic memory or however however you phrase it and mm. he said a really good answer to that where he goes yeah I always get that I always get people saying that but I don't think I'm very wise and that's very, that's much more important. As in, he's like, yeah. oh, I always make the same mistakes and stuff, which is not very wise or very, um, you know, that, that's, that's actually quite ignorant. And so knowing things is not as good as you said, like applying that knowledge. Um uh, and learning from stuff, learning from mistakes and all that kind of thing is far more, um, it's far more, uh, you know, necessary or whatever the right word is. So,
0: yeah, hundred um, percent.
1: So to yeah. all those fellow goldfish listening at home. Yeah, exactly. Where they're going, Tom Stephen, can you repeat that? I didn't get what you. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so I'm curious. That's fascinating about, um, about like sort of having that interest at, like sort of twelve years old onwards. So. I guess the, the, the interest in transition I want to talk about is how, how did that sort of early interest in going to university and doing something like English and, and whatnot, how did that transition into, you know, after that, I'm guessing, you know, thinking about maybe I should try and be an entrepreneur or, or like, you know, create my own path. Like, what was, the, what was the, that process like for you?
0: Yes, yeah, so really that did start from like twelve, 13. Mm-hmm. I've never had a job unless you want to count me working in Waitrose supermarket for three Saturdays and then <laughs> kind of half quitting, half getting fired because yeah. I was so unemployable. <laughs> uh, so I, I generally say I've never had a traditional yeah. nine to five job. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, really after like initially learning how to make websites and that kind of thing, we yep. did start, you know, earning little bits and bobs, and it was never life changing. But when you're 13, 14 years old, it's pretty exciting when you can yeah. make a few hundred bucks on the side. Yeah, um, And from there, I just kind of, you know, planted the seed. I, I became so passionate about it. I've always done it. I started freelancing as well. So um, I worked as a freelance designer for about a decade. Okay. um starting in my kind of early to mid-teens mm-hmm. um went through all the headaches of like nightmare clients and not getting paid and feeling undervalued and all that classic freelancer stuff but then over time improved my skills got better clients started charging more and kind of had a uh, a semi-successful career there okay and then uh as i got into uni i kind of had that going on um i i got hired to like work on a few books around design and and was being used as a freelancer by a few agencies on a regular basis, all that kind of thing, okay. helped me pay through uni. Yeah. And then it was early days uni, I think around the time my parents got divorced, actually, I don't know if this is like a coping me- mechanism, but hmm. um, I dabbled in like uh, blogging and that kind of thing. Okay. And I decided to start taking that a bit more seriously. So I started yeah. a blog about design, Okay, uh, specifically about learning Photoshop. Yeah, that kind of thing, and yeah. I've been doing a lot of photo manipulation work and, and trying to do tutorials around that, mm-hmm. wow. and that really took off. So after a month, um, I found that suddenly I had a hundred thousand uh, monthly visitors to to the site, Great. and then it, it went on to get millions and millions of visitors, mm-hmm. and so. That was really exciting at the time, and I thought, yeah, I've made it, and I'll tell all my uh, mates, you know, I'm a professional blogger and all that. Um, And it was making some money, you know, membership and ads and that kind of thing, but it never really scaled to anything that was, like, going to set me up for life or had real scalable potential and was a real business. And so what started off being very exciting soon felt quite hollow, and I realized where I'd gone wrong was I'd paid attention to a lot of the – I guess like sleazy internet marketers Mm -hmm. because I I didn't know any better. So when I was Googling how to do internet marketing, they were telling me it's all about traffic. It's all about how many followers you have, all that kind of thing. Um, And now I refer to those as vanity metrics. They're the numbers that actually everyone chases, but they don't matter that much. So, I did all these actions that led to a lot of traffic, but it didn't really give me a community that deeply cared about what I was doing, it didn't Uh, really give me a platform to set up a a proper business. Yeah,
1: I say that all the time, I know exactly what you mean.
0: Yeah, Yeah. it's not about how many people you have, it's about how much they care, right? And Mm -hmm. that is what I've been obsessive about since. So I had this vlog, um, I came kind of out the other side of that, I found some better business mentors. And I started to really kind of get all the knowledge that I got from age 12 to that point. And that's what went into my company now. Yes. And <clears throat> so I started that not to try and get the most traffic or the most followers or anything like that. I started it by making our first, you know, 4, 40, 200 customers my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I built such a uh, engaged community. And I got to know them all and they were awesome and I was on phone calls with these early people yeah And that really kind of set the core um, Of what we're doing now and you know because we had great product market fit and layered on top of that a great brand And I was treating people really well and building this sense of community It started to spread very quickly and, and people started telling their friends and so in the first year we went from zero with no investment from a standing start to seven figures, which was mind-blowing to me at the time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And then from there, we've kind of scaled it and scaled it. But, um, you know, I'm just obsessed. Like for me, that's been one of my biggest learning lessons is getting people to care. I see audiences, like we partnered with people through my company. There's been audiences, a million people in them, Mm -hmm. and we work worked with someone with 5,000 people in their audience. And there's been times where the audience of 5,000 has outperformed in terms of revenue and audience of a million people. Yeah. It just goes to show like those numbers literally are irrelevant. If, like, who cares? If, some people buy a million Instagram followers, right? And it's yeah. nonsense. It doesn't matter at all. Um, but you get small followings that are super engaged and people build like amazing businesses and projects and platforms sort offline. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, yeah, and um, it's the thing that uh, y- y- yeah you find most frustrating because I think society is kind of um, morphing people of, like, the younger generations than you and I, most likely, who they just think that th- th- the amount of zeros on something is the most valuable thing, commodity- like, invaluable commodity yeah. they can have, when, as you say... I know exactly what you mean about having, like, 5,000, you know, people who follow you, you know, religiously or whatever the right word is and uh, uh, compared to people who that that million hits might be one, like, show where you had a particular person on or it it gone viral for that thing, but it's how many people consistently... Like the, the figure that, like how many people consistently listen to your show every episode and mm-hmm. the ones that keep coming back essentially, um, is what matters. And, um, yeah, it's absolutely fascinating, uh, listen, listening to you talk about that. Um, the one thing, um, I wanted to, to ask you because this has been on the podcast a lot when I talk to business people and whatnot. And I remember we did a live podcast about this actually at a festival that we ran. Um, where we, where I had a, a comic book um comic book writer on and like a like a, a illustrator and a guy from Ubisoft and one of the audience members asked us about apprenticeships and you said during your your story of like how you got to where you are now. And saying about like sort of being you know uh, shafted by people, and um, for those for those that aren't English, it shafted means like let down. <laughs> um, <laughs> in case that people don't get that phrase, but um, but yeah, like as in you said, you were get you were you were not given money, you were you were you know disappointed in that way, um, uh, unfairly and whatnot, and it makes me think because i have been through that process and I, I, I'm assuming it was the same for you like you know where you, you work for very little money or sometimes no money and you do it for the experience and I'm, I'm curious to ask you in terms of advice for people who might be a young entrepreneur or someone who's thinking about doing that kind of thing like how long do you think realistically should someone accept not getting what they deserve and like how do you transition from you know from that position of you know, just lapping up as much experience as you can, um, and not getting too much money to then go and, Like you were touching on, I want I deserve more money and I deserve to be treated better. Like, how, how does that transition work? Do you think for you?
0: I think as an entrepreneur, entitlement is a very dangerous thing. Yes, this is very different from being an employee. If you're an employee. You know, it's valid to expect certain benefits, yes, holiday allowance, uh, salary, <clears throat> treatment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yes, those rules tend to go out the window when you're an entrepreneur because it's you against the market, exactly it's you against the world. Yeah, and the market doesn't owe you anything. Mm-hmm. So I can't say, well, if you work hard for two years, you should be absolutely fuming if the world doesn't give you a fortune back. Yeah, because it doesn't work like that. There's too many variables. Uh, yeah. and this is why all the best entrepreneurs tend to preach that you need to enjoy the journey. Yes. And for people who are like, well, screw that. I need to be earning some money here. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that your priorities are at least somewhat out of whack because yep. if you're not enjoying the journey, you're generally doing it for the wrong reasons. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of entrepreneurs who are chasing wealth and, and materialistic things. Yes. And that will always lead you to be unhappy. If you're enjoying the process of developing and learning and getting better, you're enjoying what you're doing every day. You've already kind of won and you can find a way to monetize Like you want to be doing something where you might have to have a day job, um, to pay the bills, but it's what you would rather be, you know, doing than watching Netflix in your evenings. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. So
0: I'll give you an example of this. Like, um, in fact, this, this is perfect, right? So, I've got my company, so I'm CEO of my company, that's my day job, mm-hmm. but I'm also currently building my personal brand. And my personal brand is me helping as many entrepreneurs as I can. Mm-hmm. And I love this because I'm such early days with it mm-hmm. that people can relate to where I'm at. I'm not some A lister in that space. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully watch the space. <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, like I'm I'm at square one. Yeah. And I'm finding that really liberating because um if I if I was speaking as CEO of my company, it might sound kind of um hypocritical for me to say, well, just be patient and enjoy the journey and da 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 and then <laughs> think, okay, but you've kind of made it in that respect. Yeah. But with my personal brand, I love it because I'm like I'm being very open with my tiny numbers of subscribers and how slow things are progressing because I don't care because I'm actually just loving doing it. And yeah. you know, recognizing it's probably gonna take me five to ten years to get anywhere. But to answer your question, Stephen, I think it is incredibly dangerous if people are going in being like, I deserve this, I deserve that. You, can't, yeah. you might work your socks off for 20 years, but you might simply not be a good entrepreneur. You mm-hmm. might lack the talent. You might lack the aptitude. Mm-hmm. Um, you might be bringing something to the market that isn't a good fit. You, you know, you, you won't have product market fit or there might be better options out there.
1: Yeah.
0: and. So there is no guarantee. There's no formula for success. I think mm-hmm. entrepreneurship at large has been very glamorized and very uh, glorified, and I think that is dangerous as well in itself yeah. because there's people who shouldn't be entrepreneurs who are are making that leap because it's been falsely advertised to them. Yeah. So um, I realise I'm giving a bit of a long answer here. No, no, it's fascinating. My, no, I, my, I I know hmm. where you're coming from. Yeah. My my truth would be. Um, yeah, do it for the enjoyment of doing it. Mm-hmm. Have extreme amounts of patience. I've been I'm thirty years old now. I've been doing this in some form for eighteen years, since mm-hmm. the age of twelve, and my company might be doing pretty well, but I feel like I'm just getting started. Mm-hmm. I certainly don't feel like I've made it or I'm at, at the end goal. I don't know if I ever will. Um and I'm happy to put in another decade of work. My, my personal brand stuff, you know, I am investing some of my savings into this. I have no plans to sell anyone anything. So essentially, this is like a financial drain. I am like shattered from work, but I'm still fitting in time around it because I'm so passionate about this thing. Jumping on calls, helping people, putting out content, all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, on paper, it's crazy. It makes no sense. <laughs> but I'm only doing it because I enjoy it. Yeah. I'm doing it because... When one of my best friend's brothers mentioned in passing he was starting a business, before I know I'm sat having dinner with the guy drawing business plans on napkins, I'm doing it because it pours out of me. And the whole point of this show is geeking out about stuff. So whether you're trying to turn that into a business venture or a fun hobby or, or whatever it is. If you're doing it because you feel like the market or the world owes you something and you've got to get paid otherwise, yeah, you're yeah, going to be pissed. Mm-hmm. It's not going to play out well. But no, no. you know, if you find something you're, you're such geek about and you're so passionate about that you just you know want to do it all the time, you've already won. Like that's rude. yeah,
1: exactly. That's the reason. I mean, I, I, I yeah, I, I said that as a kind of like um, a devil's advocate way. It's not necessarily what I think, but um, uh, it's yeah, I, I. I completely understand where you're coming from listening to your answer because it really does come down to if you're willing to as you say it should first of all like you i totally agree with your principle of it you shouldn't be money orientated if it's something that you care about because like you know it's that phrase of you'll never work a day in your life if it's something you enjoy Um, which i
0: really don't believe in by the way okay Um, i I agree with the principle of like um it will be far more enjoyable Mm -hmm. but it's still work Oh, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. not working the same, like, drudge of a five you know, <laughs> that you hate. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> it is exhausting. Yes. It's great. I love what I do through and through. But mm-hmm. it wrecks my physical and mental health at points. Yes. Like, no, no, you're no, right. Yeah.
1: You're right. Yeah. It's not like, it's not, yeah, I, I, I know what you're saying. It. Uh, the, yeah, I, I, I kind of meant it, yeah, as you said, I kind of meant it more as the principle, but I, I know what you mean as in, when people say, for example, the phrase, I don't like when people go, I'm going to turn my hobby into a job. I always say to people, well, that hobby is not going to become a hobby much longer. Yeah, it's going <laughs> to some of the fun. Yeah, so, you, you know.
0: Yeah, I, I think a lot of um, big names in the entrepreneur land are too black and white about that stuff, where they're basically implying you're not a true entrepreneur, or you're not really doing what you love, if it ever feels like work, if it's ever a grind, or you ever don't feel like doing it, or you're ever knackered, then it's not your true passion, and you're not an entrepreneur, and I think that's just false, because no one loves anything 100% of the time.
1: Exactly, yeah. I mean, that's a bit like, that's a little, yeah, that comes across to me as a bit deluded, because it's like, you know, that's sort of like saying if you're in a relationship for someone which i i i i am in i'm very happy in a happy relationship with um with a child and i go it's a, it's like being a parent or, a, or whatever it is is to say that you hundred percent of the time you're going to be happy with your situation that's just not being human or realistic and um, yeah you know exactly but yeah. in
0: the macro level mm-hmm. you know you always love your partner
1: yeah even exactly. when you hate them yeah you yeah love them.
0: yeah um but not every day is going to be Shape affection.
1: Yeah, and you might have like a half an hour period here or there where irritate you or whatever it is, but it, it it gets past. But yeah, to say that you have to you know be passionate and you, it's not it's not possible. For example, we've we talked about passion uh, so far. Sorry, it's, it's it's impossible to be passionate all, all the time because you would just lose your mind eventually. Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't want to <laughs> eat pizza six times a day. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes too much is too much. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, but no, that's yeah and. Yeah, endlessly fascinating. Um, yeah, and I, I agree as as you say. Like, I mean, um, if you go into doing something and just do it for the love of it, with no real intention of of, of building it into something uh, money oriented, whatever it is, like, I do agree with your your principle of that you've already won. I think that's a good message to send out to people is that. You know, just find something. It's funny you said about um, you know how you said you you've got like another adventure. My my thing at the minute that I'm trying, I want to make time for. I've I've got a a small daughter at the minute, so I I don't have a huge amount of time. But I I'm wanting to write a book. It's something that oh, good for you. It's something I've really Fisher. wanted to do, and I've been talking about it with my partner about making just because I, I I go along with the. I don't know if you agree with this um sort of. Um, thought process of going if I can just generate having an hour a day or an hour every so often to do it, then it will eventually take care of itself. So I, I'm just trying to 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 do that, and then I, once I start doing it, I know I'll commit to it. Um, and yeah, yeah it's it's something I've always wanted to do. Habit, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, it's 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 teaching your mind to to get used to that idea, and then. You away with it once you start doing it. It's the start. It's the start that I find hard. <laughs> once I'm there, I, I get to do it. But yeah, it's it's been a passion of mine for a very long time, and I've can had you an idea. What it's about, yeah, sure. If you want us to, um, um, so it, I always wanted to write because I'm a huge fan of sci-fi, and I think some of the time sci-fi can can become a little bit, um, sort of like, uh, um, not. A little bit sort of blasé, I don't know, I'm not quite sure what the right word I'm searching for here, but like, as in like a little bit, um, I remember listening to Mark Hamill, who was um, Luke Skywalker in Star Wars, and he said the difference between like Star Wars and for example Star Trek was Star Wars, Star Wars was like all about visual appeal. And actually, if you delve into the plot, even he sort of said, the plot of Star Wars is quite bland, and it's really simplistic. And George Lucas knew that, and any time they ever said, like, what about this emotion? Shouldn't I have this reaction to this person? And he, went, and he would apparently say to the actors, shut up, no one's going to care about that. They're going to just look at what it looks like and be amazed. <laughs> apparently, that's literally true. Um, and I guess it
0: was pretty groundbreaking in that. Regard. Yeah,
1: exactly. So yeah, because of the special effects and something being high tech at the time, I think he put all his emphasis on that, Um sort of the 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 um, visuals over substance or whatever the right word, right terminology is. But but yeah, anyway. So um, I mean, but that's a kind of good example of where, like I say, it's all about sort of aesthetic appeal. And I think one of the greatest examples of that is like Avatar, where um, you know, it's it's an incredibly dull film and it almost feels like a showcase of a trailer just to go this is what we can achieve in cinema now that's what it yeah. felt like to me a lot of the time you know that big, one of the long...
0: highest film films of all time. exactly
1: because i think they, they i don't know whether you agree with this principle but I, I think they um they just did ridiculously good with marketing um they marketed it to be like exactly what it was but people went we'll go and see it because it's going to be like a masterpiece in cinema." Um, creativity and, and special effects and that's essentially what it was, but it felt like at, you're in a workshop and they a, and a, just basically come up with a rough outline of a film to show you what cinema is now capable of. It had real no other meaning other than that. It was quite no. um, meaningless. It's um, the
0: equivalent of when a self indulgent musician gives you a forty five minute long guitar solo <laughs> yes, that no one else exactly.
1: wants to hear. Yes, exactly, yeah, like the sort of deep purple or whatever that it was a deep purple <laughs> <laughs> who had like a eight minute guitar solos and so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um but yeah, so yeah, or like Dream Theatre where they have twelve minute tracks. Um uh but yeah, so uh, but yeah, so I um, mean so so I wanted to come up with an idea. Um I mean the basic plot line is that the uh, I had this idea of like what if, in the future, because of the way that the way things are now, is that we enter the, a situation where the world i know this has been done before, but i I think this could be a realistic reaction to what we might do is that what if like in a few hundred years' time or something like that, we have the ability to go into space uh, or something like that, and but we've ruined the planet. And we are aware that like the planet is no longer going to be inhabit uh, is not no longer going to be habitable, and then everyone gets together and realize that we're going to send one person who represents a different thing in the world and send them to repopulate a different planet and how what would happen if they went there with the idea of like repopulating the planet and starting again essentially? With the information of what that we already know that humanity's lasted like millions, like, you know, hundreds of thousands of years already. So instead of like evolution just turning into like what we are as humans now, what would it be like if they were sent to repopulate and start a planet again, knowing the knowledge of that humanity's screws up and, and, and all like representing different organizations? Would they, would they learn from their mistakes or would they continue to make the same mistakes that we're in now? And that I just thought of that premise and thought that would be a really interesting way of then. And I started to think of like how would a person react? Like how would one person react if they like you know represented? You know, like I thought like a religion, and then I thought someone would they would send it, the the world's best scientist, and then they would send like a government representative, like a president or something, you know, to and 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 because the, because they would still want to latch on to this idea of separating each other, whereas basically the premise is that i think the world is a little bit too divided anyway so are they gonna realize that when it's too late or when they start again or and anyway so i just started to think of all this and thinking i think i can come up with something um kind of fantasy orientated set in the future but based on kind of like what's happening now essentially um does that make any sense it does yeah so um
0: let me know if, if this is kind of part of what you've just said, and I haven't quite got this far, but Mm -hmm. would different people from Earth go and colonise different planets, or would they all kind of come together to colonise one?
1: Well, I, I thought about this, right, and I thought that would be the intent is to go to one planet and colonize. But basically, um, that would be like the prologue of them being sent there. But then I was thinking of a particular point, let's say that it's been a few hundred years that they've been there, and then showcase what happened. And my, I started to think, what would, what would they do if they got there and then started recolonizing one planet? And my theory is, is that they realized there's other planets to colonize and then they all separated within a small period of time because they couldn't get on i think that would generally happen that because i that and it really the whole emphasis of it would be is to showcase that like we really aren't (laughs) uh, i guess the 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 underpinning implied meaning is that we aren't um learning from our mistakes of that we all keep making the same yeah you know we all keep making the same problems Um,
0: and then what if um they all split off because they couldn't get along they picked different planets in this alternate solar system or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then that would then show the disparity and you could skip forward in time mm-hmm. um where they'd, they'd colonize them to a much greater degree. um And the differences would be much more stark. Yes, that's exactly what I would, yeah. So Yeah, it would be pushing them to their extremes. Yes. Yeah, so for it, yeah. example, like the scientists who've gone off and colonized might... Almost be like gods to the other people yep. because they would have advanced quicker, yep. and every everything would be pushed to an extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like when people operate in subcultures, right? It tends yes, to go to exactly. extreme because they're in a bubble. Yes. Uh, whereas as humans, we have to kind of interact with each other yeah, on exactly. a daily basis yep. in the current setup. But this mm-hmm. didn't have that. So everyone yep. would just go to that extreme place. Yep. That would be interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I Honestly, that's exactly what I was thinking of is that like if they sent like a representative to say, well, we want religion to be alive and well, that actually they tried to colonize like one planet. And then what ended up happening is they went. The, the religious people uh, realized that they couldn't cooperate with the scientists and everything else, thinking, "Oh, they're not like they, they wouldn't, they they won't conform to our rules." So, like you said, as a subculture, they basically went, "Oh, we'll go to this planet and make our own rules, and then basically keep out with the people who won't, um, who won't stick to our principles of what we believe in." Um and i think that would happen i think that that could happen and as you say scientists might um generate an ego of going you know well no one else we know what we're doing and so therefore you can come and live with us but we know what we're talking about and they don't and it basically is repeating hundreds of years into the future the exact same problems that ruined the planet that they've left and um, what
0: you could do is you could shed light on um some of the negative characteristics and traits in humanity Mm -hmm. because even if the scientists for example went and became really overdeveloped then you might associate with uh people of that intellect that they have a a higher chance of being psychopaths or they're incredibly ruthless and ambitious compared to the average Mm -hmm. person so they might be a super advanced civilization but equally they've got like a very high homicide rate and uh and they're constantly sort of trying to tear each other down mm-hmm. to get a rung up the ladder. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of like the good elements and the bad ele- Absolutely. elements and that would play out with every subculture.
1: Yes, exactly, which is why I think it would be fascinating because I think there would still be people who are... And I also think there would be people who are opposed to everyone who would want to just be free. Um, yeah. And make their own decisions. And that's where that's actually, I created a character based on that premise that it would be, it would be based on a person who is being, who's being like sort of, um, ostracized and, and refuses to be part of that, um, be part of any planet. Um, and also just talking about how. You know, governments have been formed and they're all still like fighting for power and then ultimately realizing that power is essentially meaningless if um mm-hmm. these are all after the same thing. Um it's just okay, you're top of the tree, but then where do you go from there? It's like, you know, then you just Yeah you know, anyway, so anyway, so that's the pretty that's really interesting, yeah. I think um, you can have
0: a lot of fun as an author yeah. pushing uh humanities traits to their extremes
1: yeah exactly and i mean it's obviously like sort of i mean i'm a huge star trek fan it's sort of influenced by that in the sense of the one thing i loved about star trek is it took society issues of its time and transferred it into a fantasy element of you know star trek and the federation and everything else and that's why i think it's lasted the test of time is because it it does have a a mirror image of its societies how society and essentially people interact with each other, you know, because, because Gene Roddenberry had this idea of, of peace and, and, and everyone, you know, not, not being hungry and money being obsolete and all this kind of thing. But yet still in that, in that futuristic setting, there's still, People within the Federation who are evil, who are corrupt, who murder, like you were saying, and, um, I think that's always going to be the underpinning problem with humans is that you can't essentially guarantee that every single human being is going to be good. It just, it isn't possible. Um, anyway, but that, that's, that, that's the gist. Anyway, so anyway, the whole Very point cool. of, the whole point <laughs> of what we, yeah, anyway, so yeah, the whole point of what we're talking about is to have other, other things to be interested in, um, and obviously your venture is, as you say, like a personal goal. So you mentioned, um, is what, so one of the things you were saying about what you were doing was your own podcast, which started a couple of years ago. So you said,
0: yeah, yeah. So I've got a few. So we've mm-hmm. got a podcast, um, which is connected to my company. Okay. Uh, which is called the honest designer show. Great. And you're going to see a theme here. Um, but my <laughs> recent podcast, which is part of my personal brand efforts is the honest entrepreneur show. Cool. And, the common thread is just being super candid and transparent, and shedding light on things which often people shy away from in, in mm-hmm. the kind of highlight reel of social media and life, where people only show their best moments. We slash uh, I talk very candidly about all kinds of stuff. I, I touched on before our call, Stephen. You know, talk openly about like mental health uh, struggles right. that I've had, or you know, huge amounts of sacrifice that it takes to be an entrepreneur, or mm-hmm. Uh, hardships, but also the highs and I'm just really a very frank look at everything and I think I think the internet in general and people in general are shifting towards naturally giving their attention more to the people that are authentic, yeah, so uh, less and less you know we've all seen like the pixel perfect models and so on <laughs> on Instagram, yeah, and now that has become saturated, so they've become inherently less special. And what drew eyeballs and attention and engagement before is now very commonplace and every day. Mm-hmm. And so what's starting to stand out is the people that are savvy enough or genuine enough to actually expose like their true selves. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I do in my content, and that's what I try and encourage a lot of other people to do.
1: Yeah, which is good because I think that's the, um, that's something we generally have a, a comparison with because that's essentially all I've done in every episode I've ever done. I, I ran a um, community radio station before I ended up doing this, and and you know. Like you do when you start doing interviewing, and I don't know. if, <laughs> I'm assuming it's it's kind of always the same for people who end up, you know, trying to have conversations with people. But I remember listen, um, you know, thinking back to the first ever like sort of live radio show that I ever did, um, you know, sort of whatever it was, like twelve years ago or something like that, and um, and just and it was not good, and you know, I was, it, it, but you know, of course it wasn't going to be good because it's my first time doing it. But my point is. Is that yeah? It's just a thing where you 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 constantly like work at something and and um and 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 keep trying and 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 also like you know when we were saying about um about Pat being passionate and all that sort of thing is that I think if you if you don't um look at something you do and think about the mistakes you make then I don't think like I think you're ending up like just sort of accepting that like you we were saying earlier about making it um yeah. i don't I don't really think that's a very healthy thing I th- and i I constantly even now if any podcast people um talk to me about like sort of tips is I say exactly what we're just discussing is I say the one thing you're always gonna have power over, which I think is why people resonate with when I talk about stuff is I'm completely genuine like I don't have a sort of script or an agenda or want to be controversial. I just say what's on my mind and just be you know i'm ex- I'm very similar. On here as I am in person obviously there's subtle differences but and I'm just curious to know is that the same for you do you I mean because it obviously you can't be like 100% genuine and and talk about everything you'd be surprised you know. I'm getting yeah. there um,
0: yeah I yeah I'm really getting pretty obsessed over this right now because I yeah, think it's good. the right thing to do I think not only is it very good you know marketing and content and so on but mm-hmm. I think it's liberating I think it's yeah a great way to build confidence i think it's very cathartic um it feels great to to be real you know people recognize uh, and resonate with realness but it is easier said than done there's a reason why as you alluded to when people start recording a new video show or put out social media content or their you know whether it's a video or a podcast episode or a radio show often when your friends or those closest to you hear it they might remark that it doesn't quite sound like you Mm -hmm. or that you're not quite being yourself. And even if you're trying to be yourself, it won't naturally come at first. You know, you will put on a bit of a front or a mask or whatever it is, you will kind of weirdly change and censor yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's a bizarre thing, but until you actually are kind of brave enough to make that leap and put something out into the world, put out content or a piece of yourself into the world. Yeah. You won't feel it. And as soon as you do, you'll be like, Oh, that feels uncomfortable. You'll get some confident people. You stick a camera in their face and they kind of freeze up and, mm-hmm. and yeah. change quite a lot. Um, and my only answer, cause I've been there massively. Um, my only answer would be uh, practice, but also keep it front of mind to try and proactively be more you. So yeah. to give you a, a super quick example, when I did one of my first Instagram videos, I would just hold my phone up. It would be almost like a selfie video. Yes. And I'd try and give some advice. The first one I sat on my bed in my bedroom. It was a 60-second video. It took me over an hour to film it. I must have done 100 takes, and I'd be like, no, I sound like an idiot. Oh, no, my voice sounds weird to me. Oh, no, like I'm sweating. Oh, I'm nervous. And by the end, I felt like I'd run a marathon. I was literally, I was like hot and sweaty and nervous and felt sick. And in my head, I'm thinking, what if people I went to school with see this and laugh? What if my, my team see it? And I look unprofessional. Or like our business partners see it? Oh I was just overthinking it, and then I put it out, and guess what no one cared got a few nice comments, and that was it. Mm-hmm. no negative at all yeah and um funny enough after doing years of that stuff now and for my my older podcast, we've done over a hundred episodes now, my new one I think I'm like twelve episodes in mm-hmm. I'm on, like, I've got so many shows going on, steven I've got, got like more shows and content I do for my company. Great. Uh, you know, jumping on podcasts all the time. It doesn't phase me now. And I'm yeah. someone who's always historically struggled with like public speaking, um, mm-hmm. to an extent being articulate when yeah. I know I'm being recorded. And now that like, I sit down, I shoot my show, just get it in one take every time. And yeah. And that's not to boast. It's just because like anything, it gets easier. Yeah. And so if I can go from being that like embarrassing, sweaty mess, who <laughs> can't get my words out Yeah. So now like having no qualms and not feeling the least bit nervous. Yeah. And I'm going to do the same thing. I've got aspirations for a public speaking career. Um, and I'd imagine when I start doing that, I'm going to suck too. And I'm mm-hmm. going to speak for free and I'm going to speak to rooms with seven or 12 people in. Mm-hmm. But I don't care. I'm going to do it for years and slowly
1: get better and better and speak to bigger and bigger audiences. And hopefully that goes well. Yeah good for you and uh it it, that's something that i am i i I push myself to i push myself to do as well as um i do public speaking um quite a bit now at like universities and stuff like that um you know talking about a variety of different things because i'm also um i'm also a a primary carer for my mom um who's got parkinson's disease so I, i talk about that pretty openly um and so yeah it it it, it uh, that was basically the gist of what I was uh, talking to you about, Tom was just to say you know like if people look at someone like myself or you, whether it be you're an entrepreneur or or you're trying to you know develop your podcasting skills or your ability to public speak or someone looks at my public speaking or podcasting or, or how I speak in public like just in a public setting or whatever is really it's just it's just effort and and I do think an element of um having passion and obviously a little bit of talent. Um, and, and it's just perseverance, I think, is, is, is something that I've, I find everyone that I've spoken to who ends up running something that they enjoy doing, like we've touched on, it's not just about making money and being successful in that sense. But being successful in terms of being happy is through a little bit of perseverance, but ultimately enjoying what you're doing um, mm. in a fundamental level. Um, you know, and if you you've got that, then you know that you can do whatever you want. Really, um, I think is the beauty of uh, is the beauty of feeling that way. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I,
0: remove money, go and do whatever you want. And yeah, I can totally tell. Like you know, you're one of the more genuine people I've talked to oh, doing well, recent nice. interviews and podcasts. It comes across. Some people. You know, I'm sure they're very nice, but they're a bit more awkward and stilted, and I can tell you're just being you, which is awesome.
1: Oh, thank you. I really appreciate you saying that. Um, So yeah, um, I've got like roughly about five, ten minutes with you left, and I just wanted to talk obviously about um, design cuts. I'll talk about it in the introduction as well and post, but um, it's to say, so, um, what was I, I'm interested about the the idea of doing that? Obviously, you've you've touched on this while I've been talking to you about your interest in design. I know you said you you learned Photoshop and coding and all that sort of thing. Um, so when was, do you remember like sort of when the idea for doing this website and and offering this like sort of service uh, came about? Um, and when that was and and how it, how it, how it came into your mind, as it were.
0: Yeah, so. I'd been pretty immersed in the design space. Um, Had a few connections and relationships there through having done my blog and so on. Yes. And I just looked at the state of the industry in terms of people offering the types of digital products we were, and I thought, quite frankly, they weren't doing a very good job. So I really, um, I, I just came along and thought, yeah, I reckon I could do that better. But that wasn't a happy accident. I got very, very systematic. I Um, I was away actually with my family and my girlfriend and I sat on the floor and printed out endless pages and wrote endless notes and basically analyzed the entire state of the market and all the competitors at the time, including like their strengths and their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And then I worked out, well, the way to be the best thing in the market is systematically with every single one of them, with their weaknesses, either do them better or cut them out entirely and with their strengths exceed them Mm -hmm. and that might kind of sound quite basic and it is quite a basic premise but it obviously took a fair bit of thinking and work so (laughs) yeah it would be down to everything it would be like okay um even though we're in the design space where we're meant to be ahead of the curve none of them have a responsive mobile friendly website design so we're Mm going to do that and we're going to be better in that one percent Um, And some of them were outsourcing their customer service abroad and therefore the quality wasn't going to be very good. So we're going to provide the most hands on best customer service ever. And just piece by piece by piece, this puzzle kind of came together into what was clearly the front runner in the market. So when we launched, we saw traction straight away. Um, And a big lesson for me is find a way to be the best in your market, because if you're fit best, who's going to want to buy from you? Mm-hmm. They just go and find the best option. Yeah, and even if that means going like more specific because you can't compete at a, you know a large scale, go and find a niche. There's so many profitable niches um, and angles to come at this stuff. But find a space where you can own it, and you can be the best available option because not only will that be better for you as a business, but it will let you talk about it and market yourself more confidently. Mm-hmm because no one's going to be able to sit there, and I've tried this, if you sit there and you're trying to say, I'm, you know, what I offer is great, come over here and, you know, read my content or buy from me. If in the back of your mind, you know that three competitors are doing a better job than you, you won't be able to convince anyone, let alone yourself, that you are in fact the best option, if that's yeah, not true.
1: Exactly, yeah. And yeah, or even if you are like a little bit behind, not have a valid enough reason as to why that is, or something like that, yeah. But in general, mm-hmm. yeah, if it's, if it's just a case of that, um, you're just not at, at the appropriate level. They're not going to be interested in hearing what you have to say. Um, and yeah, I, I know exactly where you're coming from. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, so people for listening who um, obviously um, uh, designcuts.com. Um, I've been browsing this um, most of today, and, and obviously when we first agreed to do this. And um, so, what would you say the, like the premise of it is? I mean, obviously, like I mean, just look at it. look into the front page, it's obviously, and I and I've, I've delved through it. It's obviously providing. You know, graphic graphics for you know being able to make you know stuff on Photoshop and templates for like business cards and greeting cards and and providing fonts. It, uh, it, 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 but how would you how would you describe that in a better way? Um, being a sole business. Um, um,
0: you've done a pretty good job there actually. Okay. But essentially, uh, we offer the tools and resources that designers and creatives use day to day. Okay. So whether that's a font that you're using to like do a logo for your website or a resume, resume template that you're going to use to you know, have a better looking CV and get a job or a business card template you're going to use for your, your business or venture or a Procreate brush that you can draw with on your iPad that you got for Christmas or yeah. a Photoshop brush that you can do some effects with. All that kinds of stuff. There's all kinds of stuff we sell, but what it boils down to is we just like selling only the best stuff available in the market mm-hmm. and selling it at a more accessible, better price than anyone else. And yeah. And I'm very proud that we do do that, and that seems to be why people gravitate to us.
1: Yeah, it certainly seems that from what I've uh, browsed uh, from what I've browsed so far. And um, one of the things I'm curious about this may be a completely dumb question, but I'm not. Um, you know, in this particular field, I'm not like that techno savvy. And um, I know I know my will be some of my friends and people listening to this will be like, "How do you not know that?" But I just don't. <laughs> I just don't. So I'm asking. I'm being complete. I'm being genuine no, no, as we're no, talking no, about. No, no, there's <laughs> no bad questions, right? Yeah. Like, I, well,
0: I could probably. Ask you some pretty bad Star Trek questions, <laughs> yeah, of course, now, yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. And now we're going to do our. Pu- now, time for the pub quiz, uh- <laughs> 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 and they're all Star Trek questions. <laughs> no. Um, but um, no, I, I'm, I'm interested about fonts because I've always found this fascinating about about using fonts and like. If so, if if I bought a font on your website, like, what is the um, like legal requirement of using that font? Does it become? Like, is that an agreement that I can use the font anywhere, or is there any limitations? Again, if that's if that's a dumb question, it's a dumb question, but I've always wondered that. It's um, not a dumb
0: question at all, actually. Okay. Um, so there's a couple of things. One is that with any of these things, you're only licensing them, so you're not buying them. Oh, I see. Which, which confuses some people, mm-hmm. um, and it, it did confuse me back in the day, to be perfectly fair. Yeah. Um, you're not buying it because you're not then owning it. Mm-hmm. The person who made it still owns it, but you're buying a license to be able to use it. I see. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But you can more or less use it how you want, but within the bounds of that license. Okay. Some people have uh, stricter licenses. So, for example, you can get a personal license, which is you can use it on personal projects, mm-hmm. or you get an extended or commercial license. Yes. Uh, which you can then use in work for clients oh, and okay. paid work and that kind of thing, or you can put it on a mug that you're selling on etsy or whatever it might be um that makes sense. quite quite often what happens is you have to pay a lot more for an extended license right part of what makes us quite popular is we give you that for no extra cost great which people love so with us like apart from some of the limitations where it's like don't just completely rip off this resource and sell it as your own there's obviously a few specific things in our license but i know with fonts One of the only real restrictions is if you're a giant company, then you have to get a bespoke license. Okay. So if you're Tesco's, you can't go and completely rebrand and use this font everywhere that you bought for 10 quid because that wouldn't be fair to the creator. Of course, yeah. Yeah, Uh, yeah, yeah. But for you and I, um, yeah, you'd be surprised You get quite a lot of freedom, actually. you?
1: Great. I mean, because um, obviously, I mean, there's been the odd stuff because I mean, I've, I've, I you know, I've done events in Newcastle and and you know, obviously, like I was thinking of like posters because you know I've made posters and flyers and all that sort of thing and always thought like, oh, cool. you know, I always want like I haven't done them. I've got a friend of mine who's who does all this sort of stuff. He's it's mm-hmm. it's, it's his main job. Um, and uh I, I always find that just fascinating because I always think some of the time you know fonts can be quite dull and quite and 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 you know if you look at like sort of um. You know what are they called? They're royalty like royalty-free ones. Like they're always like yeah. massively used and and not that <laughs> interesting. And yeah, people and then...
0: um, who don't know fonts or design, they, they're amazed that people pay for them mm-hmm. when they're like, don't you get them for free? Like Times New Roman or Arial. The difference is vast. Like when you yeah. get a professional font, and like we sell them very affordably. You can yeah. buy fonts for like two grand. I know. You know yeah, I'm not, that's why like I was asking a it. Fortune.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was asking about it, because I look at some of the prices that you have the fonts for and I'm astounded that it that low, which is why I asked the question about licensing. Um mm. so yeah, it's it's it is it's a fascinating subject matter because um yeah, that's what I if I if I bought one I would be thinking of exactly that that, that, that um that issue of like how much I can use it, etc. So Yeah. Um fascinating. Um, um, it's, it's that old
0: motto, Stephen. If it sounds too good to be true, <laughs> it probably is. Yeah, unless it's design cuts. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, what what I like as well is um uh, you've also like I mean I, I mean obviously I'm assuming it's included in in like your partnership with them but you say where it's from as well which is useful um because that's another thing that I always say certain web when I used to like look at this right at the beginning I used to be very wary because used to fi- I used to find some websites who wouldn't say where the stuff was from. You know, like, or who the artist was or who designed it and all that kind of thing. And I like the fact that you oh, do Oh, no, no. Like, um, we
0: sell it on their behalf. So, it's yeah. their shop. Exactly, yeah. Platform.
1: Yeah, exactly, yeah. I mean, so, you're, so, yeah, you're almost like an iTunes for designers, essentially. Yeah, we're like yeah.
0: the, the middleman kind of thing.
1: Yeah. So, there's these talented people
0: that make incredible products, but they don't really enjoy the marketing and distribution so much. Mm. So we help get them a bunch of sales and customers.
1: Wow, what a great idea! It's a shame I didn't know about. Like when I started doing my company, this would have been this would have been absolutely like essential to me. I'm actually being completely frank when I say that because I remember looking at, um, you know, I used to come across artists online who like would just put their stuff on. I I mean, forgive me. I'm I'm sure there'll be some design. Like you'll you you probably know some like um you, you know like design places where you can just put up your like designs to just show people and i used to like look at all these things and like oh i don't know what to do about this particular design but he has this thing that design and i'm going wow that's amazing they should be able to make money out of that and yep. you know and and now they can like you know with the type of stuff so i can totally see why it's a good idea um yeah,
0: yeah. the thing of the starving artist is slowly fading away and yeah Um, Yeah, I'm doing a lot of that in my spare time as well. I've got friends who are unbelievably talented but should be doing better in business. I'm trying to help them with that.
1: Yeah, well, good. That's that's fantastic to do that. As you say, I just think some people, um, it's something I am quite slow at. Um, I've admitted that, um, particularly when I first started doing any um, self-employment stuff. Is that it's definitely something that doesn't come to me naturally. I think I, I find myself as, in, uh, in, in, in my experience to be like a, I'm a creative soul and I'm like, I, I, and I, I, I do all the stuff the business wise as much as I can, but I, it doesn't come to me naturally. So it's always good to have someone like yourself for a bit of advice, uh, for people who, who, who want to, to, to listen. Um, yeah, I mean,
0: reach out anytime, man. Honestly. Oh, great. I, Thank you. I'm, I'm a big geek about this. So if you like, <laughs> uh, Instagram me or whatever, I'm always happy to cool. give advice.
1: Yeah, um, and I, I just mean that. I just mean that also as well. Um, I mean, obviously, it's just it's it's really nice to do that. And as you say, um, I'm I'm a big believer in. You know, I, I hear this a lot, and I don't know if you do, but when people um, kind of go, "Well, you shouldn't um, be nice to that pe- that person because they're in they're in a, a similar market to you or whatever it is," and I go, "No, because I actually look at things that I wanted to ask you this directly that." Sh- is is it is it fair to think well if they're doing well then it'll benefit what I'm doing and all that kind of stuff or do you think it's a case of um, you know every person for themselves <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be that sledgehammer about it I'm it's the devil's advocate question but um, I'm just curious to what you think um, I think both okay um, and what I mean by
0: that is in general I'm all about like you know positivity putting good out into the world, helping as many people as I can, not really worrying about what anyone else is doing, just trying to do the best job, but at the same time, help as many people as I can along the way. And I'm a firm believer in like karma in life and business in the sense that that then kind of comes back in unexpected ways. Mm -hmm. Um, At the same time, if it's like a a bit of a dog fight and and we're there and we're stacked up against like some very direct competition, Mm -hmm. then that's where all the nice nice goes out the window and I will like do whatever I can to win. Yeah. Um, so, so it's both like 99.9% of people. Like yeah. it's all good karma yeah. and, and, and nice. But if, if we're going head to head with someone and they're trying to fight us, then it's like pff, the gloves off.
1: Yeah. Uh, very good very good answer i i know exactly what you mean yeah you do have to have a <laughs> bit of a backbone about you um it's in certain situations i know exactly what you mean uh, you can't be kind of just all like um letting people run you over in a in a sort of a business sense because that will happen yeah. <laughs> if you let it uh
0: sadly it does yeah
1: yeah <laughs> um so i guess um to su- sort of summarize um as, as we touched on people can go to design cuts so as we mentioned it has a whole bunch of um really cool stuff um uh, everyone should browse because I mean, you, there's some wonderful stuff on this. Um, I've I've been looking at this website for the last couple of days, basically. Oh, um,
0: thanks. and I it's and
1: it, it's really cool. Um, I really like the design of it as well, just uh, for, from a geeky point of view. Um, and it's and it's it's a it's a really good, obviously. Um, you know, um area for someone who's working on something creative it has everything you would sort of need for something that um you know done in a graphically like um you know sort of photoshoppy sense um and, um, well yeah, there's, there's even uh, if we're speaking geeky there's even packs where you can create your own like monsters and zombies and stuff oh that sounds cool i'll this have to have a fun. look at that where's that link. yeah please do please do i will i will look at that <laughs> endlessly <laughs> <laughs> it's right up my alley um yeah um it's funny because i had a guy on him um, and i thought this was a fantastic idea um I, I i forgot his name but uh oh neil that was it neil um and he he um made his own comic book company um which obviously has a good link for being on my show because obviously it is a, a stereotypical geek thing for comic books um, and he wrote his own comic book and then basically done similar to what you did. He, he created a company where basically not only did he branch his own comic books that he wrote, but then he got other people who wanted to design comic books or already were in, in a freelance way and then pulled them all together onto one website. And now he does a, now he does a really cool thing where he, he trains people into how to do successful comic books and like how to illustrate awesome. them and all that kind of thing. And it reminds me a lot of this. So it's really great that there's this sort of stuff around, like I say, cause it not only benefits yourself giving a need to people but i'm a, as I, I think the summary for our uh, for me having this conversation with you tom is that I, i'm really pleased to see creative designer type people getting rewarded for their obvious talent um yeah you know, me too Um it's yeah, it's something about it. yeah absolutely yeah um so yeah um is there anything else you would want to want to mention to, to wrap this up or um i think we've covered a great deal
0: <laughs> yeah
1: I, I would agree um
0: Yeah, I I would say if anyone's listening and uh, they have entrepreneurial tendencies, if they're dabbling in this kind of stuff, then it is my biggest hobby just to help people for free. Um, You know, I have no real desire to charge for it because I've I've got my day job. This is like my hobby. Um, So if you want any advice, uh, if you've enjoyed the episode, then reach out to me at Tom Ross Media on Instagram and just shoot me a DM saying that you listened to uh, the episode and like any questions about your business and marketing or, or projects or whatever. And I seriously would love to help. Um, And otherwise, you know, it would mean the world if you check out my show about all this stuff, very candidly talking about it, which is
1: the honest entrepreneur show on YouTube, iTunes, etc. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I I very much, um, I very much look forward to checking that out. And I obviously encourage everyone listening to do, that, if they so desire. Um, it's been a real pleasure talking to you, Tom. Um, uh, yeah, hopefully, likewise. Uh, hopefully we'll get an opportunity to talk again in the future. Um, and, well, let, yeah, uh, let's
0: keep in touch. I've,
1: I've already committed to trying to help you with your, uh, your marketing bits. So, yeah. so reach out,
0: mate, anytime.
1: Yeah. And if you know somebody who, um, who, uh, wants, have, uh, gets an unbelievably great sci-fi book ready and, uh, <laughs> and they can, uh, help get it, uh, published, uh, I'll be more than happy to. <laughs> I'll uh, keep my ear to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> yeah actually a good friend of mine actually um wrote a book about um which i was really proud of is that um a guy called Mar- uh, marty who i'm a bit um uh, have a lot of time for and i met him for, i met him through the other show that i do he wrote a book about his friend helping her for helping his friend through dealing with bipolar disorder which is what i have um okay. and it's really yeah, my, fantastic my um,
0: oldest friend that i talked about um
1: mm-hmm. who
0: i started all this stuff with he's bipolar as well oh, great
1: okay Um, Well, not well, obviously not great, but you know what I mean. (laughs) It it has (laughs) good and bad. It has good and bad points to it, but yeah. Um, But yeah, that's essentially why I think I have a kind of open view about talking about everything, really, because I think, um, um, I think from a mental health point of view, I know we never really touched on that, but we did, we did, we touched on it, but didn't go into detail is um just to say i'm re uh, yeah uh, uh, as someone who's like a sort of mental health sort of activist now and and talks about that in public speaking i'm just thank you for being upfront about it and talking about it because and um, more power to people doing that because it should just be treated as a as a normal subject mm-hmm. Um, you know it shouldn't be it shouldn't be you know an underground thing or feeling embarrassed about talking about it because we all um if you don't have a reg- re- registered you know, recognize disorder or illness or whatever it is. We all have mental health and we all go through struggles. And so this idea of, of talking about it more open and honestly can only be a benefit, I find. So. That um, was Yeah. Yeah. So um, I mean, thank you for, thank you for, 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 for talking about it. Um, great. Well, thank you, Tom. Um, as I say, everyone, check out the website, um, designcuts.com. Um, and, and, yeah, uh, for all your like Photoshop needs and whatnot. Um, all your, uh, all your design needs for anything that you're planning. And a huge thank you for Tom for being on. Um, thanks Stephen. That was fun. That's great. Yeah. Um so I'll end the podcast like I always end in the words of the great BMB Robert Jocks, Crash and Burn. And we'll see you very soon for another edition of the King Fogglis Podcast. Thanks guys. Bye.